0: Is the business of reselling podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Oman. Hey everyone, welcome to uh, episode 17 of the business of reselling uh, podcast. Um, this this week's episode, I you know what I have a long list of ideas for podcast episodes. Um, every time I think of something it would be cool to do an episode about or every time somebody gives me an idea, you know, write it down on the list. And and then I kind of pick something that I'm really feeling um, like I want to talk about or something that I think is important, um, you know, in the current moment and, and do a little deeper dive into it. But this week, just like nothing was really jumping out at me. Um, I'm feeling not really a lack of motivation, but um, uh, a bit, like like right now reselling is like feeling kind of like a grind um you know we're struggling with with sourcing inventory um you know i did a few episodes on sourcing and a lot of the uh, tactics that we've been trying to apply have been had have, have had some less than stellar results um and it's just not flowing the way that it usually does and so i was like you know what do i do what can I, what can i do to bring some excitement some enthusiasm some interest to this week's podcast episode and uh, i thought maybe it would just be kind of like because i haven't talked about i don't talk a lot about you know specifically what we're doing in our business or how sales are going or give any of those sort of recaps um or share numbers although i like sharing numbers but i haven't done a lot of that yet so i thought you know what this week i'm just going to talk about what's going on how I'm feeling, how we're feeling about the business, um, and I want to spend a few minutes at the end talking about my favorite nonprofit uh, called the Binner's Project, um, doing super important work in the Vancouver community. And so we'll get to that at the end. It's the most important part, so definitely stick around. Um, so as I mentioned, uh, sourcing inventory has been really challenging. The last, I mean, it it, it was challenging throughout the pandemic. You know, things sort of did come in waves, um, but. Right now, um, seems to be more of a struggle than I think we would expect. Although our sales are still pretty solid, which is great. We're selling lots of inventory. We're getting into like the nooks and crannies of our warehouse and bins and stuff that we always meant to get to later or things we didn't process because we didn't know a lot about them and needed to do research. So like there's a lot of positive things happening with the business. We're cleaning up, we're getting organized. You know, what both of us are kind of like spreaders. Like, we just like, you know, like when we go travel to hotels and stuff, like we just like spread our clothes all over the room and like that kind of like trickles into the business a little bit. And so we, we try to keep things, you know, pretty tidy, but it, sometimes little pockets and corners of the warehouse get kind of out of hand. So we've been getting in there cleaning up and all of that stuff is great and it's positive and the sales are good. But what we need is some great inventory and It has been a big challenge to get it. We've had a lot of leads fall through. Um, We have dropped door hangers on hundreds of uh, doorsteps over the past few months. Gotten a few leads from that. But just um, we don't seem to be gaining any momentum with our sourcing. And that is really frustrating. I still think sourcing is going to get a lot better. Um, I think as people really settle into um, kind of withdrawing maybe some of their spending due to some of the issues with the economy that they may uh, start selling off items that they no longer need or items that are just taking up space um, because they may need to use the money for other things. So I still think, I think sourcing is going to see a big improvement. Um, But, you know, for us specifically right now, it's been a bit dry. Uh, (laughs) So I started doing some things like I started uh, bidding in online auctions. I hadn't done that in a really long time. And I found a couple last week that were estate sales that were running online auctions kind of near where we live. And I was like, okay, uh, I'm going to throw down some bids on a whole bunch of stuff and see what I get. Um, You know, there was nothing super exciting, but there were a few lots that I definitely wanted. So I threw down some bids, what I thought would be fair to pay. And I ended up up winning uh, one lot and it was four blow molds. Yeah plastic, you know, like vintage plastic blow molds. And it's too bad. They're not even Christmas themed. They're like animal themed. Um, They're still cool. They're vintage. I'll be able to make money for them. I'm not sure if shipping them is feasible or if we're going to have to sell them locally. But right now, like in in my backyard, there's like this vintage like steamer trunk. And on top of it is like these two lions and a penguin and like a pig lying on its side. And it's just like, (sighs) Oh, it's cute, but there it is. We did go to a yard sale. They didn't have a lot left, but we got a couple of vintage lanterns, which we love selling uh, for a super cheap price. Um, So that was cool. Picked up a few other things, but it's kind of like dribs and drabs, um, just little things. So uh, and I think it frustrates uh, Johan more than it frustrates me because I still see a ton of unlisted inventory in our warehouse. I see all these boxes of comic books. I see a million stamps, literally a million stamps. I see some diecast cars that we haven't gone. I mean, there's piles and piles of things that we could process. And we're, you know, slowly like working our way through some of that stuff. So I don't like, I don't care because I always want to make space. But at the same time, um, you know, you always need that exciting, fresh new inventory coming into your shop. Or the buyers kind of start to trickle away if they don't see anything interesting coming in. If it looks like you're grinding, that's not very exciting for people who are visiting your store, whether it's for the first time or the 50th time. So we do need to get more inventory. Um, but I've been fighting this feeling of kind of complacency about it um, for the reasons that I just explained. You know, our sales are good. Uh, life is easy. Um, it's very easy to, you know, it's a sunny day. Let's just take the dog to the park, or let's go on a walk, Um, let's hit up a happy hour, Uh, you know, kind of do those things that the business affords us, you know, and and then that are part of the reason why we have this business and why we work this way is to enjoy that kind of freedom, Um, but it also can kind of get you into this place of complacency where you kind of pull back and stop putting that extra effort in, getting out of your comfort zone, um, because things are kind of fine, um, and I think this is a this is a place where uh, I, I especially need to like really you know take stock of what I'm thinking and start to uh, place my energy in more productive places. Um, and I think that's that's what I have to do is is follow my own advice, walk the talk, um, the things that I've talked about on the podcast, do more of them. So I did spend a little bit of extra time on outreach last week and i we did see a few results from some of the follow-ups that i did um so you know we looks like we might have a new comic book consignment coming up which is great um we have a few other leads we're picking up some stuff actually for free next friday um kind of an exchange where there's some valuable items um but we this person also needs to get rid of things that um, i guess they can't take to the recycling themselves so we're kind of gonna go get the stuff and see what we can sell out of it and donate the rest so we're gonna be getting some things um and I'm sure it's going to come around but uh you know I definitely need to be spending more time on that I think uh also there's a bit of there's an aspect of shyness to um Kind of getting too forward and too vocal about asking people for stuff. I also don't want to seem pushy. I don't want to seem like a vulture. And so sometimes I get kind of nervous about going out there and saying like, "Hey, hey, you know, you said you had some things for sale. What are they? When can I come and get them?" Um, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like too pushy at all. So um, yeah. So I guess that's kind of the struggle that that I'm going through a little bit right now. And it's a problem because it's going to make it a lot harder to reach our goals. You know, there's new estate sale companies, um, estate liquidators and stuff that are sort of showing up in Vancouver um, and starting to capture a little bit of market share. And, like, I have to make sure that our brand stays, you know, out there and and visible. Um, and otherwise, these companies are going to take, take over. And honestly, like, we really want to buy a house next year. <laughs> I know, in the face of these crazy rising interest rates and all of this stuff. And so it's really critical that, um, you know, I especially stay focused on that goal because housing is crazy expensive where we live. And we probably will end up moving away from Vancouver City. Right now we live right in the heart of the city. Average price of a detached home here is $1.8 million. That's way out of reach for us. Um, You know, so we'll probably end up having to relocate uh, if we do make this happen next year. But even then it's a stretch, you know, it's it's still a very expensive housing market. And even if the prices come down, the interest rates are going to be up. And so qualifying for financing is going to continue to be a challenge. And so the more cash that we have, the easier that's going to be. And even though our sales are good. They are going to slow down, especially if this recession takes hold. And so we need to have that hot, high end, super desirable inventory in our store so that our sales continue to stay at that strong level. Um, So that's kind of what's going on in the business. Uh, Revenue is fine. I'm pretty pleased. Uh, The Black Friday sale is coming along well. By the time this podcast is published, pretty much everything in our store is going to be on sale, at least 10% off, up to 50% off. So we're doing 20% off model kits. I've got 50% off tons of old stock, I have 15 to 40% off vinyl and cassettes and CDs and DVDs and all that kind of stuff. I just, it's gotta go, you know, we have things that have been sitting in the shop for months or even years. And it's really time that we that we uh, move this inventory along, so I'm. Um, I think this is going to be a really good sale. Uh, I'm. I'm excited. It's been going pretty well so far, and I have sort of those really hot categories: the model kits, the comic books, um, to put on sale this week, and I think it's going to do really well. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um. Oh, I wanted to mention though. Um, so I did spend a couple of episodes, episodes fifteen and sixteen, talking about Black Friday sales, Cyber Monday, and holiday sales, and sort of how to maximize that and make your sales better. Um, but I wanted to also mention what that brings in terms of some frustration in your business uh, when you drop prices, especially if you drop them drastically. It tends to bring in the low ballers, people who I don't know exactly what the frame of mind is. Maybe they think, oh. They've discounted this by 40%. They must be desperate to get rid of it. And then they try to offer you even less than that, um, which can be super frustrating. I've had people trying to get 50% off my 50% off price, um, trying to bundle a whole bunch of things in my store to get like an additional 40% off my 40% off. I'm not desperate. I'm just trying to move inventory. I'm just trying to turn things over. Uh, And I'm really happy to give people a deal, but I don't want demands placed on me, you know, this is the discount that I'm comfortable giving. Otherwise, I'll keep it, you know. Um, And so you may find that if you're running discount sales uh, in your business as well. But one of the things that I try to do to sort of minimize um, these types of interactions is like for example when i do add best offer to my items i try to set the auto decline threshold at about 60 percent so everything below that just auto declines and i never even get a notification that that offer was sent there are some issues with auto decline when you have six thousand listings and you're trying to add best offer you know kind of strategically but not to every listing um You know, I sometimes end up being like, oh, I'm just going to set the threshold a little lower just so that I don't have I can edit more listings at once. Um, And so then and then also when I've done things like end and sell similar, which is a strategy that some people use to kind of um, boost, like get some fresh views on old listings. So um, if I end, say, 200 listings, select them all and go sell similar and relist those. I have found a small glitch where the best offer option stays on the listing but the auto decline threshold is removed. So where whereas I've previously set like decline at 60% of asking or whatever, um that'll be gone and so I'll start getting like $10 offers on $150 items and things like that. Um the other thing too is that it's not that simple of a process with as many listings as we have to take best offer off of everything, run the sale and then put best offer back on. Um it's cumbersome and so I don't do it. And so I might have an item that's 25% off and that's as low as I'm willing to go. Um but somebody comes in and you know they want to get like another 30% off my 25% off price. Um and then I have to deal with that. And then I get people saying, well, why do you have best offer on your listing then? And it's like, okay, uh, yeah, I get where you're coming from. But I it would take me a while to explain that. So I'm just not going to. And I will politely decline your offer. Um, so if you're running Black Friday sales, especially the deeper discounts you go, you're going to get this kind of buyer coming to you probably more frequently than normal. Um, and so it's just about having some patience with it (laughs) Um, and it's okay. People are, everybody's trying to get a good deal. And I understand that, Um, but I'm sticking to my, my boundaries, which I've talked about in previous episodes, uh, especially, I think, episode three, which is the one about how to say no. So if you're curious about that, go back to episode three and check it out. Uh, Yeah, so that's kind of what's going on in my business. I'm so curious what's going on in yours. Uh, I want to know if you're running any Black Friday sales. Are you running any promotions right now? You know, what have you, what kind of actions have you taken and what have the results of those actions been? I'm curious to know. Um, Not because I want to draw conclusions about how sales are going on eBay, but I always am interested in seeing um, what's working for people and how everybody's experiences it are on the platform so I can tailor episodes to suit what you're looking for, so let me know. Um, Okay, so I just wanna get into the most important part of today, which is to talk about the Binners Project. Um, The Binners Project doesn't know this yet, but they are my favorite nonprofit. They're gonna find out because they're having a fundraising event this week and it's the first in-person event of theirs that I've been able to attend. Um, obviously, lots of things were canceled due to COVID and then the in-person events that they've had. I've, I've always have a scheduling conflict with them. So this is the first one that I actually get to go to. Um, and Binners Project is trying to raise uh, $35,000 for this particular fundraiser. So let me tell you a bit about what Binners Project is. I'm, I can't explain it better than them. So I'm just going to take this right off of their website, which is binnersproject.org. Binners project is a group of waste pickers aided by support staff dedicated to improving their economic opportunities and reducing the stigma they face as informal recyclable collectors. Binners are among one of the most marginalized groups in urban areas. Their livelihoods stem from refunds received from used containers collected from bins. Binners positively contribute to our environment by diverting a considerable amount of waste from landfills. Now, if you're like me, one of the reasons you do what you do might be because you're pretty passionate about keeping things from getting thrown away. And, um, I, maybe your cities like this, I don't know. Vancouver is, uh, I, from my observation, a pretty wasteful culture. Um, people throw away incredible things all the time. And I am just fascinated with, um, getting access to those things, before they are discarded, so that we can find people who will enjoy them and we get the environmental benefit of reusing those items. Um, and this is exactly in alignment with what the Binners Project does. I don't know if you've been to like an outdoor event, a parade, a festival, something like that, but even where there are great recycling facilities and bins available for people to properly sort the waste that's produced at these events, people don't do it. They still drop their cans on the ground. They put plastic in the metals bin. um, You know, they throw food in the, in the glass bin and then it contaminates and makes it harder to recycle. Like people just don't think about how to properly sort their waste. And same goes in like apartment buildings. If you live in an apartment building, like, There's always stuff in the wrong container in the recycling room. And so one of the ways that the Binners Project generates revenue is binners get hired to go and work in the apartment building and make sure that the waste and recycling is properly sorted into the correct bins so that when it gets to the facility, they can actually recycle it in the way that they are mandated to do. Um, and the same thing at events, making sure that all of the waste is put in the appropriate containers, again, so it can get through the recycling process. Because what a lot of people don't realize is that when, if recycling is contaminated, when it gets to the processing facilities, they, they can't effectively recycle all of the material. So if, like, there's too much food on, you know, in glass or plastic containers, for example, if they're not rinsed. That's that can be problematic. If plastic is mixed with glass, that's problematic. If uh, yard waste is mixed with, um, you know, uh, I don't know, plastic or cans or something, it just makes it so much harder for those facilities to do what they do. And so it's so important that we as consumers, if we're going to do the recycling, that we start the process out properly, but people just don't do it. And Binner's project is, I think, trying to help with that, um, I'm going to venture, I guess, this is part of the mandate, um, so that things actually do get recycled. But even more than that, even more importantly than that, um, helping people recognize the social and community importance that binners and dumpster divers have, especially in urban areas, um, keeping things out of landfill, um, making money from the trash, there is money to be made there all the time and all kinds of things. Um, there's a skill to doing it well, and I think a lot of people don't respect that. Um, and so I love what this organization does. Um, I love their social mandate. I love the environmental mandate. I think it's perfectly aligned with our business and our desire to keep things out of the landfill as well. And so I've been supporting them in very small ways over the past um, couple of years, but I'm really looking forward to stepping that up. I think they deserve a lot more. I would love to donate some of my time um, to supporting them and definitely more of my money. So I have made a donation to help them with their $35,000 fundraising goal. Um, And if you're interested in checking out more about what they do and potentially making a donation to help them out, um, binnersproject.org is their website and binnersproject Dot org slash donate, I believe is the direct link to their um, donation page. So I know it's not giving Tuesday, that's next week. So I'm going to loop back to this after their fundraising event that I'm going to on Thursday with a little recap of that. I'm sure I'm going to learn a whole bunch more about what they do now that I'm finally able to meet um, people from that organization in person. Um, So I'm excited to loop back and let you know if they reach their fundraising goal and uh, tell you a little bit more about them. Um, So that brings me to the conclusion of this week's episode. A bit rambly, I hope not, I hope you still found it interesting. Um, I still have a long list of really um, exciting topics research-based stuff that I definitely will be bringing to you in the coming weeks. So your call to action this week is to think about whether you will be giving on Giving Tuesday. And if you are going to be giving, who are you going to be giving to? Throw down a link to your favorite charity or nonprofit in the comments on YouTube or tag me on Instagram with their name and mine, storage underscore warriors and tell me why you support them. Um, that's that's what I'm all about this week. All right, so don't forget to hit the like button on YouTube, leave a comment, and subscribe to the podcast to listen anytime you want, anywhere you get your podcasts at uh, businessofreselling.com. We will see you next week. Thanks so much for listening.